Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Alan Trites, and this is episode 101 of the podcast, Great Health Does Not Have to Be Ambition Impossible. And today I'm going to talk about what was originally considered the miracle molecule, um, nitric oxide. Recently, I mean not recently discovered, it's discovered in 1998, uh, other, well there was some other discoveries that came along with it, but uh, I'm going to go into how the human body produces nitric oxide and really what it does for you and why this might be one of the most important things out, uh, how we use it clinically, why we haven't used it until recently. What goes wrong with people that can't make nitric oxide? Because a lot of you can't. Um, a lot of you in the last few years started to realize that maybe there's some health issues that you need to get taken care of because you got sick or you're still having some sick issues or you know, all these syndromes, whether it's metabolic syndrome or um, fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome or myalgia syndrome. You're going to get all of these syndromes, and what they mean is you're not sick enough to be sick. You're not sick enough to be technically diagnosed with something. It's a syndrome. So we want to get you out of these syndromes as, as much as possible. So how do you fix or restore um, nitric oxide production? Now, there's 20 years of research, at least, that's been going on, um, and a lot of it's been done at the University of Texas Health Center. Um, there are some other places that have been gone on, but there's... there's um, Dozens of patents have gone along, uh, hundreds of peer-reviewed papers on nitric oxide biochemistry and physiology. So they're pretty cool stuff that's, that's really out there. So nitric oxide deficiency is found in literally every chronic disease, one of these syndromes that we, we have just briefly talked about. So if you've got anything that has syndrome after it, <laughs> um, you've got a, a, a nitric oxide imbalance. That's just, just what's come across in, in, in the research. And a lot of people who have inability to heal, inability to, uh, let's say, wound healing, uh, their psoriasis that won't seem to go away no matter what they do, or they go through their uh, biologics and it, it's still there, uh, Renaud's, it's still there, blood pressure that's still there, and you're on a lot of blood pressure medication. It's nitric oxide deficiency that's going there. Um, I'm just giving you some ideas, but a lot of people get sick. They're, they, they can't seem to get over infections. And at the end of our lives, really, infections is what gets most of us, whether we have heart disease or cancer or anything like that. It's an infection that usually takes us out. So mortality from infections is, is a big deal. And one of the things that goes along and helps that is called nitric oxide. Now, one of the ways to evaluate it clinically or research-wise is something called a SPEC scan. And the SPEC really stands for a single photon emission computer computed tomography. It's nuclear medicine. They got to put a dye inside of you, and it goes across, and it checks to see the patterns or activity in the brain. And you get to see three things: um, Does the brain work well? Uh, does the area of the brain work too hard, or certain areas don't work hard enough? So you get an idea of what a healthy brain and an unhealthy brain looks like, and you get an idea of what um, blood supply. So let's say somebody had a stroke, and they're seeing uh, the blood go through there. You can actually see what's what's going on with the blood flow, what's healthy and not healthy, and then they can start to do these studies. What if I give you nitric oxide or something that makes nitric oxide? And, and what happens? What happens to the inside of the, the cells or on the inside of the, what's called the vascular tissue, uh, which is called the endothelium? What are they doing? What is the blood vessels that are going to the nerve? What, what's going on there? And so SPECT was a, a pretty good way to, to take a look at that. But if you've caught any of my background, um, how I studied for any board test was I opened pathology books. It didn't matter what school I was at. Is we're opening pathology books and reading it because every single chronic disease had a uh, systematic inflammatory response, and that inflammatory response created swelling and blood supply vascular issues. And sometimes it affected blood sugar um, because you'd be low blood pressure, low blood sugar, high blood pressure, usually high blood sugar, not always, but sometimes. 
And if you can restore blood flow, and that's clinically what our office and our doctors and our practitioners try to do so well, is to restore blood supply. So it might be increasing your range of motion. It might be um, what we found is an ongoing detail in this with acupuncture, but what acupuncture does, it releases at the acupuncture site with the research that's come from UT, um, Texas and Austin, nitric oxide. Holy crap, that's a total blow my mind uh, response that goes through there. So if you can restore blood flow and perfusion to specific tissues, organs, you can correct and maintain and manage many chronic conditions. So how do you do that? Well, you got to create nitric oxide. So um, nitric oxide, by the way, it's very important, uh, even in the history of cardiovascular medicine. There, I don't know of too many cardiologists that don't know about it. Uh, how they use it is completely up to them. But um, in your body, nitric oxide is required for red blood cells to deliver oxygen to the tissue. So that seems pretty daggum important. But really, it plays a, plays a key role in the regulation of numerous biological functions. So your immune system absolutely has to have nitric oxide. We just talked about your cardiovascular system, but your peripheral nervous system, um, like your fingers and toes, they have to be able to have in enough oxygen to function. Well, what about longevity, regeneration, staying around? Um, you need not, the higher the amounts of nitric oxide, the longer you tend to stay around. And, and there's some research on that with with like Tibetan monks because they don't, you know, they, they live at altitude. They have to take cold baths. There's another way to regenerate those if, if you're into regenerative medicine. But there's a reason that does that. It helps nitric oxide. That's how somebody with even Renaud's can take these cold plunges again and again and again. It starts to change their uh, immune system because it immune system and their vascular system because it has an effect on the nitric oxide system and their cell proliferation the respiratory tract you have colds chronically ill chronically upper respiratory nitric oxide and then of course gastrointestinal uro, uro, urogenital tract so there's people with chronic utis they're low on nitric oxide the people with the gastrointestinal issues whether it's irritable bowel inflammatory bowel osteoarthritis crohn's celiac whipple's disease you've got a ton of things that are going through there why aren't they getting rid of their infections? What about chronic Lyme disease? What about chronic Epstein-Barr? It's nitric oxide deficiencies, which is at the heart of this. So um, this particular nitric oxide won a Nobel Prize in Physiology in 1998. There were really three doctors who were along it. The, the one that I first learned about was uh, Dr. Louis Ignaro. And how that got into another product is there was a company that was called um, Synergy. Synergy Worldwide, and they created a project that was called L-Arginine, and they were using a ton of L-Arginine to, to help with cardiovascular system, and we were using a device that was supposed to be um, a replacement for somebody that got like a catheterization, so you can get the blood pressure that comes off the heart uh, versus the blood pressure at the periphery, where we usually run your blood pressure on your arms, sometimes run on your legs, but it's not the same as the heart because it's, it's that's a wave that's going down. So depending on how fast the wave hits and then goes back to the heart tells you how uh, pliable the arteries are. So... For instance, if I was to take a golf ball and I'm throwing it against a brick wall, that's a very hard wall. So that golf ball is going to come back to me fast. So that means that there's, if I'm testing an artery, that's a hardening of the artery. Hope that makes sense. But let's say I'm throwing it into um, a tarp or let's say I'm throwing it into a, a bowl of jelly. It's not going to come back. And if it does, it's going to come back and, and very, very slowly. That's, that's a nice pliable, uh, movable uh, entity, so that would be a healthy artery. So the, the opinion on how fast it comes back tells us the pliability artery. So that's what we use what's called a cast score. There are new devices out there, um, and we will 
hopefully uh, the office manager who runs everything will um, do that for the, the doctors in the office and be able to start testing that. We don't have that now, but we get a lot of information even from the vascular standpoint from what we use in the office are um, known as the whole body thermography. So that's a pretty good thing. So these three doctors uh, got together in 1998 or 19, yeah, 1998 won a Nobel Prize in Physiology for their discoveries concerning nitric oxide of the signaling molecule in the cardiovascular system. So pretty cool stuff. Um, and, and so what they kind of found is that um, when you get to aging and you get to chronic disease, you have a telomere shortening. And then if you know anything about telomeres, it's, it's the cells have to divide and divide and divide and divide. And they have like, as the cells divide, the DNA on the end of it gets shorter and shorter. And that's a part of that's called a telomere. And I'm just making a broad generality so we can make it easy to understand. And so when it gets to a certain point, it, it doesn't divide the same way or it stops dividing, period. Telomere shortening. Um, so you can't recover. And then you get mitochondrial dysfunction. So antioxidants, free radicals in the world. If you don't have enough antioxidant, you get more susceptible to free radicals. Or if you're exposed, let's say you go to Chernobyl for a, a, a hotel party. Who knows? And you're going to a bachelor party in Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Okay, you're going to get a lot of free radicals. There's there's radiation, um, and so because of that, your mitochondria are going to be beat up, and you're going to have mitochondrial dysfunction. But that's just not it. Some people have they overexercise, they overstress, they've been in four marriages that have failed. Uh, everybody in their family, um, you know, is uh, it's schizophrenic, you know, but they're not, so they have to live with that, or, or worse, you know, alcoholic or abusive, and all these things that, that we have to deal with today, that people are going through and suffering with. Those are, those are stressful situations that end up leading to mitochondrial dysfunction. But you can also have losses of stem cell function and repair. And, and you know, there, there's unfortunate things that happen. You have uh, clinical diseases come along, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, syndrome X, um, and, and like car wrecks. <laughs> I mean, how many bones have you broken? I, I stopped at 33. Uh, so I, I abused myself in a way, but, but I'm not alone. There's a lot of people who've gone through that. So what nitric oxide controls is telomerase activity. So how fast can that telomere divide and, and regenerate and stay what it, what it is? That's a good thing. How about mitochondrial biogenesis and function? How does a mitochondria stay the same, make energy, and not poop out? That's a good thing. And the mobilization of resonant stem cell, meaning it gets out and regenerates. Uh, so why wouldn't we um, be hanging out with <laughs> nitric oxide or trying to take it? So... Um, that, that's where I'm bringing this along and, and it goes through there. So there's really types of, so when you have nitric oxide, you, you can really get, there, there's three genes that come in along, it's, it's called nitric oxide synthase, but you can create three different forms of nitric oxide depending on what you're using. So um, endothelial nitric oxide is what we all want. It expands and it, it, it survives the, the vascularity and it keeps the vascular, the vessels better and all the things that we talked about with the immune system, that's ENOS. But you can also have, um, in NOS, which is neural neurological, which can be inflammatory, and they have INOS, which is inflammatory. We don't we don't want to do that. So when we first started with using a product that was a called L-arginine, a lot of people got better, but the people who had a lot of inflammation, it actually made them worse. So it's not something we don't want to hop into. And let's just go take this. Um, and as I get further along, there's there's a 35 million things that are on Google. <laughs> if you go search for um, at least uh, for for nitric oxide or something that makes nitric oxide. That's a lot of information to shift through. And, and some of these things don't really have much clinical study. Or they said, oh, well, we found that beet or beetroot can do something like that. So they're going to give you some beets. But that's not exactly how it works. So just taking beets or eating beets, well, that might be a healthy thing to do. It may not create your nitric oxide um, production through your EONOS uh, pathways. 
And so ENOS activity is re required by what's what's called HTERT expression. It's dependent on nitric oxide. So uh, you got to have the right um, genetics in place, but you also have to write um, signals and molecules that are there to help you make something. So I won't go into the, the super details and the, the what's called the pathophysiology of, of making that, but we really want nitric oxide because if you need to make energy, you need the body makes something called ATP. Nitric oxide controls and regulates the mitochondria use of that. How about free radicals or what's called reactive oxygen species? So if you ever look at an article and it says ROS, that's really what they're talking about is free radicals. Cell signaling. Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. Hey, we have an injury. Uh, what are we going to do about it? That's cell signaling. Um, what about, that's called apoptosis, but it's cell death. You have a cell that's, that's too old and it's not making any energy and it's just staying there and um, managing space. You want it to die. You really do. And you want a new cell to be replaced. I mean, if you've ever had a sunburn, you don't want that sunburn to stay there forever. Those cells end up going through their cell death. They flake off. Um, you know, we call that uh, peeling. Um, that's a really good way to, to look at it. You know, if you have, I mean, frankly, if you have hair that's changed color, it's gone from normal to gray, you'd like that to go away. <laughs> it, it's not quite how it works. Some, some people do start to regenerate their own hair with the right nitric oxide. Of course, if you're losing hair, there, there's about six other different uh, processes to go through there. But I'm just giving you an example of that. And then, of course, metabolism. If, as your nitric oxide goes down, your metabolism starts to suffer. And that's, you know, we call that normal signs of aging, but who likes that? I don't. All right, so let's talk about some other things. Aging. Now, this came out from Stamus uh, Stidham, and this was in like 1640. And it, he, he made it a comment that man is only as old as his arteries, but you know, a woman is only as old as her arteries. Uh, anyone is really as old as their arteries. So the loss of nitric oxide is associated with uh, a disease process called atherosclerosis. And as we age, we lose about 85% of our ability to make nitric oxide. So if you're in your 20s, you're, you're probably just cruising along. You're making 100% of your nitric oxide. But as we age, you hit your 30s and you got 80%. You, you can actually have the beginning of thickening of your arteries in your 30s. That's why in, in our office, as, as somebody comes in, what, what the staff is trying to do or to get into whatever doctor they need to get to, um, we understand that you know, somebody in their 30s, while they look healthy, they're at the beginning of these syndromes and stage processes. And if you have 20% of your nitric oxide down, we know that you're really functioning at 80% from all those systems that we talked about before. Now you get into your 40s and 50% of your nitric oxide is down. So now you have inflammation, plaque buildup, rut row. And then you get into um, your 50s and you're down to 35% nitric oxide production. This is when we start getting into the stiffening of the arteries and calcium wall buildup. And then when you get into 15% nitric oxide in your 60s, this is just standard people. This is how you get in the hiding clot risk. So you may be doing everything right. It's not just about the right diet and lack of stress and being happy and being around everybody. You, you, you have to go check these other things to make sure they're not happening because it's just it's just the nature of things. You make less nitric oxide. So we want to look at, look at everything. So Inflammation. So if somebody has more inflammation than somebody else, and you can have that from autoimmunity, you'd have that from diet, you'd have it from overexercising, it causes arteries to age. But you can also have an immune dysfunction. Uh, what if you're allergic to everything around you? We have food sensitivities, you have environmental sensitivities, you have Epstein-Barr, you have Lyme disease, you have um, one of these syndromes that we talk about, immune dysfunction. Or a lot of oxidative stress, which is you smoke, uh, you eat junk food, you uh, live in an area. Say you live in L.A. and you walk outside for five minutes. It's, it's no different than smoking a pack of cigarettes. That's, that's oxidative stress. 
because of the pollution that, that goes on there, uh, it's just um, it is too much. So the bigger cities that that have that are there. But if you're in the rural area, maybe you have fresh, clean air. But then um, once a month, somebody comes by and puts herbicides, and then rotates to pesticide, then rotates to you know maybe something else like Roundup, and it's spraying or your milk spraying uh, thistles. These things are all oxidative stress involved. So you know you're not just going out in the middle of nowhere. You're not exactly safe. <laughs> Um, from oxidative stress so you have to, to try to be on top of that so how we regulate and control nitric oxide production is um, really important it's we want to make sure that it doesn't oxidize uh, because uh, oxidation is to rust so if you've ever had an older car and it sat outside and it had actually a real chrome bumper and not a plastic bumper and it got wet and it stayed out there you you start to rust out there that's that's really what it does so in the beginning as Medicine started taking a look at this they, with, in, in responses to vascular endothelium. Um, they found that there was a, a product that would create what's called um, cyclic GMP, which is like guanocyclase, um, and then it would make what's called GTP. GTP makes GMP, and then you would get some of the, a smooth tissue to relax by way of uh, L-arginine. Um, and this product was called Viagra. So... If you've been around, you kind of get an idea of Vi Viagra and Cialis does, but as they increase blood flow and let the flow of blood go to a particular tissue, there's a side effect that says, oh, by the way, if you had an erection for over four hours, call your doctors. And what that means is you've thrown a clot and, and there's blood that's now being pooled in an area and it's not being allowed to release, that therefore there's a clot in there. Yeah, call your doctor because you need to go to the emergency room. So using a product like that to increase your blood flow isn't necessarily healthy because you're using it in the wrong aspect. It's raising it too quick. So if you have hardening of the arteries, atherosclerosis, which is really the number one cause of ED, dudes, if you're hearing me, the number one cause of ED is you have a vascular problem. You're on a verge of a vascular event, heart attack, stroke, um, clot thrown, not good. So um, the low T centers and the ED clinics, uh, if they're not explaining that to people, shame on them because that's really what you're there for. So why do we want to use a product that raises blood flow? Well, that's just entertainment value. That's that's not healthy. But we want to be able to create blood flow. I mean, especially for a man, because that's a pride issue, and I got it. We want it to, there to be plenty of blood flow when they need it. And so we want to do it in a safe way. But um, bigger picture, like what Viagra was originally made for, was blood pressure. This is a vascular thing. But now, today, they're finding that low-dose Viagra for people who have dementia assuming it's not vascular dementia because that would push the blood flow too hard and they can actually have a, um, a blood vessel break or have a stroke, is beneficial to them. Why? Because in dementia, you start to have lack of blood supply to the brain. So there are some good and bad that come from any of these things. This is trial and error, but my job is to inform you and let you know what's happening with it. So again, we know that endothelial production of nitric oxide, which is inside the blood vessels and makes its own nitric oxide, does decline with age. And so um, what can we do about it? Well, you can exercise. The exercise helps. You can do acupuncture. Acupuncture helps. Um, you can eat more nitrate-related foods. Um, and then there are nutrients uh, such as B12 and what's called a reduction of BH4. And, and we know that what's called our, um, there's a product we have called homocysteine redox that helps the body makes its own uh, nitric oxide. But you can also have glutathione. So if you can't have glutathione, um, Further up the line into glutathione, it's called N-acetylcysteine, which then the liver will convert into glutathione and help you make that. You have to have plenty of oxygen. So if you're not, um, you know, you're sedentary or you have COPD, you're not going to make any any nitric oxide. You have to have magnesium. 
and, and ideally magnesium that's in a good buffered form that gets in. Uh, you can also have NADPH and FAD. These are parts of the mitochondria that make it work. So if you have too many free radicals, you smoke, those kind of things, you're not going to get it. And you have to have plenty of iron. So it, it makes it very difficult. And the nitric oxide will, you know, uh, I look at Hollywood a lot. Um, and we see a lot of, on the outside, these people look very healthy and they're vegan. And they've lost weight. And they look good until a certain point. Uh, some of them get too far and they haven't had any anything to allow themselves to make iron and so they're iron deficient um, and they're, there's B12 and folate deficiencies and they're not and again back to like number two you have to have this B12 and folate to be able to make and the mitochondria has to have that to make um, nitric oxide so they can too end up with um, cardiovascular issues even though they did something to um, from what they were told from the 90s of fat phobia can get rid of fat in the diet to make them healthy uh, now, that said, there are a certain subset of people genetically that just do really well with that, and their blood tests are great. It's a very, very, very small subset. Um, so I acknowledge that, that that people can live like that with uh, supplementing some other things, but it's very, very rare that you can pull that off. Uh, so I'm, I'm not... I'm not promoting that, but again, if somebody came in and we can't really see anything that's it's difficult, or, or the, the office is running tests and not see anything, then, then um, you know, you really can't intervene, uh, or you can just, they might be one of those lucky people. But there's tests for that. Okay, so back to this, when we first started using L-Arginine, so... And why we don't use it. So, and this is probably the number one thing for nitric oxide production. Conclusion, and this came up for the General American Medical Association 2006. Okay. L-Arginine, when added to the standard post-infarction therapies, does not improve vascular stiffness measurements or ejection fraction. And it may be associated with higher post-infarction infarction mortality. It's not recommended. So if somebody's ever had a heart attack, and then they want to give them L-Arginine therapy, which, by the way, Viagra Cialis and stents are surrounded. It's L-arginine therapy, so it, it's it's been out there. What what about L-arginine supplementation in peripheral artery disease? Uh, the, the, and this was a Journal of Circulation, two thousand seven. Found no business, no benefit, and possible harm. But we know that L-arginine comes in via the the uh, what's called NOS pathway, and this is going into your genetics and it goes into the the mitochondria of every single cell. Then this little arginine with the NOS is supposed to make nitric oxide, but it, it does. But which one does it make? Um, and it can also cause other issues. So I want to be clear about that um, as it's going through there. And, and when we first started doing this, we we used that um, because, hey, this, uh, you know, early 2000s, this miracle molecule that was out there. Um, and so what we really want to know is is how do we get nitric oxide normally in the body. What's the best thing that the body does? Well, it turns out that it's your ability of something that's not you. It's called your microbiome, your bacteria, that converts things that have nitrate with an A to nitrite with an I, and it's called a reduction. And when you reduce it, then that nitrite with an I can be converted into nitric oxide. And so what if you get rid of all your nitrate um, reducing bacteria in your body? So you you use antibiotics. What about birth control? What about mouthwash? These things all kill um, your 
nitrate reducing bacteria. So that's a big deal. And the first, some of the best studies that are done are done on dental students because they're very, very aware of their oral hygiene. And it's flossing and brushing is one thing. By the way, fluoride kills it too. And so they don't really have that microbiome that's there. And so they end up with increased blood pressure. They end up with endothelial damage in their 20s. And then, but here's the cool thing. Then they stop doing that and they give them other things and they um, have them have high nitrate foods and then they exercise afterwards and it starts to convert. But what they found is that the individuals have the most diverse bacteria in their mouth get better. So here's how it goes. You eat dietary nitrate uh, and nitrate food. The bacteria in your mouth reduce 20% of that nitrate to nitrite. Then um, the low gastric pH, because you've just eaten, so you must have stomach acid to digest, reduces more nitrate to, or reduces the nitrite to nitric oxide. And then it goes to your intestines and the nitrate and nitrite is absorbed in the intestines. And then it gets to your circulatory system and nitrate and nitrite are delivered throughout the body. And the majority of nitrate, the stuff you really can't use, is filtered uh, in the kidneys and 25% of the nitrate um, circuit or concentrated in salivary glands. And guess what? You make nitric oxide there. And that's just kind of really how your, your cycle goes. So if you were going to try to make a difference in your, let's say, blood pressure, you need like 400 milligrams of nitrate to get it to go down and then you got to exercise. So the average U.S. population, the average American eats like half of that or a third of that. Not close. So and the reality is uh, we're a very nitrate deficient um, country. And, and so is almost every other country except for Japan. That's different. They have a high, high, high diet in nitrates as, as it gets there. And then here, here's some other studies. I'm just going to give the highlights out of it. Let's say you live um, in California versus Florida versus New York. We'll put some north uh, or, or Minnesota. We'll get a couple north, a couple south. And, and northeast... North, south, east, west. I've got four different city or four different um, states, and of these four different states, everybody grows broccoli in those states, depending on the time of year. Well, because of the soil, because of the pollution, because of the rain, because of the um, the mineral in the ground, that broccoli, which might be very, very high in nitrate in Texas, may not be worth a darn anywhere else. So, you might read a study that says, "Oh, broccoli is very high in nitrate." It all depends where you are, because growers tend to sell locally they don't you're not going to buy i mean things that are from hundreds of miles away because it costs too much so most of your growers most of your food comes fairly close to where you are that's just how it works in the um, the system so keep that in mind that nitrate uh, efficient food grown locally may not be as efficient as somewhere else so if you're eating, trying to do it the, the natural way, you really need to start looking at the research and what, what do you have and, and what you can do. And then, I don't know if you have a, um, I don't, uh, a spectrophotometer and you grow your broccoli and then you take pieces of it and you put it in there to see what your nitrate content is. Um, that would be a real pain, but that might be the best way to do it to make sure that you, you, you get there. So in humans, remember, nitrate must be reduced to nitrate by your bacteria. And 20 million Americans use mouthwash every day. 20 million Americans use antacid. So if that stomach has a, a um, um, the, the acid is not where it's supposed to be, you're not going to break it down. 20 million Americans um, every year use antibiotics. 
So you can see why we have such a vascular issue and why a virus that comes in that has anything to do with the vascularity of our country kind of kicked our butt. They really did. And now that we know that 25% of people who had COVID, COVID shot, is going to have long hauler syndrome, that's a whole 12-part series about that. That sucks. Well, what are we doing about it? In addition to making sure that they don't have this and that and this and that that we, we went through the, the COVID is now I want to make sure that your nitric oxide is decent. And there's a really easy test you can do in the office. It's literally a saliva test. You spit on something and it, and it checks to see what's going on with it. But the less nitric oxide you have, the higher your blood pressure goes. And the more higher your blood pressure is really above like 120, it starts to push up in the arteries. And so I've got another six part series on the cardiovascular. And this is now getting into cardiometabolic syndrome um, that's going there. So... Um, if you're using mouthwash, stop. If you're using fluoride, stop. If you're using antacids, stop. <laughs> if you're eating high carbohydrates, processed drink, uh, things that uh, high glucose, high fructose corn syrup, stop. Those are killing your nitric oxide. And then we got to get some, I mean, there are some people we just literally have to have on a carnivore diet. It is what it is. Um, but I keep them on there for a short amount of time. And then I've got to start bringing in vegetables. And if I can't do that, I'll do a microbiome mashup or something that, that, um, we've written about so that our practitioners can follow uh, what the research is, is, is going on with that. And then they need to have, you know, you got to have some exercise. And then why we use infrared uh, therapy and infrared sauna, we have infrared pads in our office that people lay on and we do that in conjunction with acupuncture. What are we doing? Creating nitric oxide. We're helping the body create um, health. And then there's, there's actually safe and effective nitric oxide supplementation from uh, the companies that do all the research. So, these are these are important uh, factors that come along. So clinically, there's even uh, what's called or, uh, nitric oxide anti-age um, skin care. I'm not an expert on skin care. I can see the before and after pictures of what they're doing. Um, I get to see the wound care that's going along. So I can see what's there. I don't have any uh, expertise or I don't, I don't see skin care issues. Um, Specifically, I mean, there's eczema that comes along, but the eczema is usually a gut issue uh, that comes along. So what about this whole long COVID? So I, I'll throw that in there. So we know that nitric oxide is reported to re improve oxygenation. I'll, I'll say that again. Reported to improve oxygenation. And the more oxygenation you have, the more you decrease the disease, disease processes. It also decreases the propensity of a blood clot. That's pretty cool because a lot of people have that have gone through this long COVID and other things have clotting. And then you also, um, they've noticed uh, endothelial cell infections and endotheliitis in COVID patients less. Uh, as they started using this, you get more of what's called vascular homeostasis, diminished nitric oxide levels, has been associated with high risk hypertension. Um, and here was something that was. You probably just don't see in the mainstream media that nitric oxide actually inhibits what's the um, coronavirus replication. So once you got it, I mean you got it, but we don't want to see it replicate. So again, these are this this is fairly recent, September twenty twenty. We were in the height of all the nonsense that was going on, and and they were using this. So one of the receptors that COVID or SARS COVID two goes to is called the ACE two receptor, and it alters. The surface protein, which means that the immune system can go find it and kill it. So because of that and how this, this virus went through the, the human system and it replicated and changed and mutated and, and it's still ongoing, it's not the last one. 
and there will be another flu and there will be another cold and there will be other things that come along. So for the future, what are we doing to prevent? Uh, I want to see, um, if you're listening to your doctor, I want to see your patients increase their nitric oxide capability. I want to see people that we've had the opportunity to treat increase their nitric oxide and their capability. I want to see my family increase their nitric oxide capability in production, period. Uh, those are the things we, we want to get on, on top of. Okay, last topic here. So just to see what, what would happen, uh, they started doing research and breast milk, and they found there wasn't, um, when you're looking at like nitrate that's in colostrum versus nitrate that's in um, formula, there is none in formula. So these, um, you know, infants aren't, aren't getting what they need. But as the colostrum starts to um, dissipate, the concentration of nitrate um, changes. So nitrate is enriched by the colostrum. That's good, but it declines uh, as gut bacteria colonize. So as the individ or the, the infant starts to make this own microbiome, because they're born essentially sterile, um, they start doing their own thing. And so the mom has, doesn't have to bring that apart. Because you can imagine if from a breastfeeding um, perspective, if six to nine to two years, whatever you're going to breastfeed, if your body had to put out all this nitrate to pass it along to your breast milk to your baby, you, there, all these women would have cardiovascular events. So there is a little bit that, that has to come across to get thrown in and then uh, the idea is that get going. So even if there, if somebody had to have a, a, a C-section, which we know that it, you have a higher incidence of asthma, allergies, eczema, etc., that goes along with your child, it, but you can breastfeed. And you can breastfeed for even a little bit. So I, I've done a, a, a part series that's on uh, on our podcast about uh, childhood development. And in that childhood development, I mean, six months is a really good time to breastfeed. But not everybody can. Um, moving backwards, what can they do? You get to 30 days, fantastic. What, well, what if you can't do that? If you get to colostrum in, <laughs> you're making a benefit. And this is part of it. You're, you're helping the microbiome get there. Now, now men, you're not going to breastfeed. So that, that isn't for you, but you have to understand that if you're in a relationship, that that's something that, and you're listening to this, that's, that's at least something to talk about. So you, you get you get such a win. I mean, it's like, uh, what if you get to, let's, let's say you get 100% if you get to six months. Great. But... From the research, if you get to a month, it's like 80%. And from the research, if you get to the colostrum, you get to like 70% of what the child needed nutrition-wise to, to expand and, and move forward. So generally, that's that, I mean, if you look at the big picture, if you can just do that, you, you have a win. You're doing so much for um, for your child as, as, as you're going through there. So in conclusion, let me just give you a highlight again. So nitric oxide controls and regulates the blood flow and oxygen delivery to every cell in the body. And then there's a noticeable age-related decline as we get older with nitric oxide production. And so then it asserts itself as the number one killer of people on Earth, which is cardiovascular disease. And your risk of cardiovascular events goes up exponentially. And so as we talked about, just moving to get, uh, to get exercise or to eating the right food it's not a very sufficient way to restore nitric oxide production. We have to, to, to go at it a particular way. And there are strategies to restore this uh, so that we can get homeostasis and, and really have a, a benefit in the function of your body. And of course, we want to use safe and effective nitric oxide production technologies. We don't just want to throw out arginine or L-citrulline or beetroot juice or something else that's out there. Or, you know, what we've seen in the beetroot 
cycles is they, they learn more about it than it says with nitrate. Okay, great. Um, but the application of that, if you're still doing the, the main things, if you're still doing mouthwash, you're still doing fluoride, you're still doing antacids, you're still doing antibiotics, you're not going to make that. And so taking a product that goes through there, even if it's not as efficient as other ones, kind of a waste of money. So with that, I will stop. I, I, I hope that gets a foundation for what nitric oxide really does and how it can impact your health. Uh, I know you have a lot of podcasts you can listen to. I appreciate you listening to ours. Uh, I know my dog, uh, Danny the German Shore Pointer, was having a great time. She actually didn't sleep through the whole one this time. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about our office, go to choosenewleaf.com. I'm Dr. Alan Trites. Be well. This podcast, Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Impossible, provides you information about evidence-based strategies for Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, gut health problems, digestion, autoimmune disease, brain health issues, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode, nutrition, Dr. Trite's blog, and many other topics at choosenewleaf.com. There you'll have all the information, and thank you for listening to this podcast. The best thing to do is sign up for his newsletter, where he'll update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. You can find Dr. Trite's social media on Instagram and Facebook with the username New Leaf Health. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. Note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.